History of Racism and Sexism. I was born December 20th, mm -hmm. 1949, mm -hmm. in a colored hospital mm -hmm. in Springfield, Missouri. So today is uh, my birthday. I'm 70 today. And actually, the um, City Council of San Diego has deemed this Professor Starla Lewis Day. So this is a very, very great honor to have this opportunity to sit and speak with you and you being one of my former students. Um, I was born to teenage parents. I was born uh, during legal segregation. I, I was blessed to have amazing women and men around me. Uh, all my aunts were married, so I had lots of uncles. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I, I was taught was how to be my own self-validation. Because when you're born in the midst of legal segregation, there's a lot of messages telling you you're not as good as, or you're inferior, or you don't belong. Mm -hmm. And the, the wisdom around me uh, came from my great, great, great aunt Kate, who was born in 1880 mm -hmm. on a plantation in Missouri. Mm -hmm. She lived to be 100 years old. And so all my life, she was my source of wisdom. And one of the things that I loved about her was she was a woman of truth. You know, we do things that are politically correct, but often those aren't rooted in truth. And so I got truth all my life. You know, I got the, the real deal all my life. And so I was able to learn how to maneuver through society without anger or hatred. Um, when she, uh, because, you know, you know and I know just from class, discrimination, segregation, all those things are painful. Mm -hmm but we don't have to take on the pain. And we certainly don't have to hold on to the pain. And she taught me how not, to not hold on to, you know, those negative things. She said, baby, that's other people's problems. Let them be other people's problems. And I remember when I was desegregating school in Missouri, she taught me, um, she set me down and she said, child, when you go to school, there may be some white folks who hate you simply because of the color of your skin, but you're not to hate them because hate only destroys the hater. She said, no one can stop you from doing anything you wanna do or being anything you wanna be but you. She said, some people will do it out of meanness, but most people will do it out of ignorance because they don't know who you are. And then she said to me, baby, you got to be your own self-validation. I was five. What was her name? Katie Elizabeth White Boyd. Um, she um, armored me with what I needed to deal with racism, to deal with sexism, to deal with classism, and eventually ageism, mm -hmm. because I've never had a fear of growing old, because I knew with that came deep wisdom. Also, my grandmothers lived across the street from each other, so I was back and forth between their houses all the time. And they were very different people. One of them was very down to earth, and the other one was a little pretentious. And I learned uh, classism by watching them and observing them. And I realized that 
Uh, it didn't matter how much money you made, happiness came from within. And it didn't matter, um, you know, what lifestyle you chose, because whichever one you chose within that, you're responsible mm -hmm. for your success and your joy. So I, I learned how to live in both worlds and feel comfortable in both worlds. Uh, I also desegregated a school in Altadena, California. And when I started school there, my parents had moved into a neighborhood uh, because they didn't know my father was black. So they sold in the house. And then my mother and I showed up and they went, oh my God, they're Negroes. Mm -hmm. But the civil rights movement had started happening. So they said, you know, things are changing. Let's give these Negroes a chance. And then I started school and I realized I was the only African-American child in the school. And I remember thinking, well, I hope someone will play with me. And a little girl named Sharon came up to me first day and said, hi, my name's Sharon, you wanna play with us? Well, her friend said, what'd you ask her for? But my little voice in my head said, I'm asked, I'm coming. Uh, and then we became great friends. I found myself in integrated situations, even during segregation, and I always had friends of um, different backgrounds. When I moved to California, because my parents moved here, because my father, once again, couldn't get good work in Missouri, um, I saw people I'd never seen before. So I'd say, well, mommy, what are these people? And she says, oh, well, those are Asians. Right. What are these people? Well, those are Mexican. And I was just in awe of the diversity of humanity. But I saw myself in them, so I always made friends with people from all the different ethnicities. I didn't realize that racism had infected people of color in a way where we were prejudiced against each other. You know, it's like, oh, Starla, you're fine, but your friend's too dark, so we can't play with her. Mm -hmm. And these would be my Asian friends, and I'd be like, what? Or my Filipina friend would say, oh, well, you know, you can't come to my house because my dad doesn't like black people. And I'm thinking, what? You know, because she was darker than I was. <laughs> so it's, it's about... Um, having this journey that allowed me to grow in a way, to be open to people, to see people for who and what they are, to be okay with people not having the information they needed to truly know who I am. Um, because the reality is some of my friends are racist, but they don't know they're racist. And some of my racist friends are black, <laughs> you know, because they don't understand that white supremacy is a value that is being taught in our society in literally every institution that we participate in. That being said, I realized that racism isn't about hate. And since it isn't about hate, I realized that most people who unconsciously have it don't hate me, so I don't have to not connect with them on that human level. Um, and then my father, whose father was white, he um, struggled with his identity, you know, as I was coming up. And so when I decided to major and teach black studies, he thought, eh, you know, what are you gonna do with that? But the reality is it has been a joy in my life to be living a purpose, to teach people who they are, to teach people how they're connected to one another, to teach people how to see themselves in one another and to encourage people to be lifelong learners. 
because we're never done. We never have it all. We never just got it, you know. And I was able to do that for over 45 years, and I continue to teach whenever I can because I watch people grow. It comes from the townships, locations, reservations, whichever, near the cities of South Africa, where all the black South Africans live. The children shout from the streets as they see police cars coming to raid their homes for one thing or another. They say, Kauleza Mama, which simply means, hurry, Mama. Please, please don't let them catch you. What is an elder and what is wisdom? And then lastly, what, what would you say to the young folks? You know, what, what's your message for us in these troubled times? Well, you know, an elder is someone that just has grown older. Whether or not they have wisdom depends on how they've learned life's, life's lessons. Because some people are old without wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, and, and wisdom can come to the very young. And so wisdom is, I think, knowledge plus experience. And we know that some of our youth have tremendous life experiences, so they carry the wisdom as well. Uh, So I think of myself as an elder who has grown older, but who was a child with great wisdom because I learned from my elders. I hung out with my elders. And I think knowledge plus experience gives us uh, great wisdom. Um, I also um, think that whenever we surrender to life, it is what it is, it be what it be, and it do what it do, that we can learn from life in a deeper and more, more profound way. For example, I had the opportunity to meet the head of the Ku Klux Klan in San Diego. At the time, his name was Tom Metzger. And I realized on the day that I met him, because he was very cordial and respectful to me, that racism wasn't about hate. He just had a belief that black people and other people of color had a place. And that place was beneath white people. And as long as we stayed in our place, he didn't have any problem with us. But if we tried to get into his space, then that became an issue. And so I realized, you know, It doesn't make any sense for us to be mad at people who think that way. It's their thoughts. They have a right to their thoughts, but we don't have to believe them. And if we don't believe them, then they won't affect our choices and what we choose to do with our lives. I'm sorry, yes, sir. Yeah, third is just, you know, what to say to to the young kids and what's, Uh. I mean, there's so many I know, but if there was, you know, a way you could, bring us into your living room and say, look, kids, it's... The first thing I would say is, can you see yourself in me? Mm-hmm. Because we're just mirrors. We're mirrors for our, the best of our behavior and the worst of our behavior, mm-hmm. you know? And I would say, can you see yourself in me? And, and then if you can, can you see your beauty? Can you see your brilliance? Can you see your power? Can you see your limitlessness? Can you see that you are love? Not loved, uh, because that's our programming, but we're the thing itself. And I think if we be it, then the whole world begins to change. 
because rather than come from all these artificial definitions of competition and who's the best and who's first, we're all just divine reflections of one another. Mm -hmm. I'm your mirror, you're my mirror, you know, and I think that rather than putting people on pedestals, we have to understand we're, we're, we're the same people. Mm -hmm. And that if we connect our head and our heart, our lives will change mm -hmm. and the lives of others will change and we will treat each other better. You know, you asked me about what is an elder and I believe that we're, we're old souls mm -hmm. and that, that when we come into the world as we grow, part of our challenge is we have to not let people think that our voice doesn't matter, mm -hmm. our little child voice. Mm -hmm. And as we grow older, if we can stay in touch and in tune with that child voice, we make better decisions because we're less polluted mm -hmm. with the ways of the world, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, how did I become a, a good mother? I became the mother that I had because I was lucky to have a really good mother, but I also became the mother that I wanted because children want things from their, their parents. And if we can remember what we really wanted, mm -hmm and then we give that to ourselves and to our children, then it shifts the way we, we, we raise ourselves mm -hmm. in the world, because we're continuously raising ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I would tell the children, look, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. We live on a, a beautiful planet, you know, and where we put our focus is what we attract. And so if everything is focused on the negative, the negative, the negative, we're attracting that to us. Fear, 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 we're attracting that to us. So I say step in faith, live in love, and celebrate the time that you have because this too shall pass. Um, I don't believe in death as an ending. I believe it of it as a continuation of the life cycle. We come, we go. We come, we go. And in between, you know, I think it's probably we chill, you know? <laughs> and in between, we chill. You know, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I want to ask one more question, and then, you know, the your aunt, your great aunt? Great aunt great Kate. Great aunt Kate. Mm -hmm. Do you feel her around? Does she come to you? Does she, are there any animal? you know, do you, do you pray to her? Do you feel her presence? Do you ask for her guidance? Is there any sort of life after death relationship well, you have? I believe that life is eternal and everlasting. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that in moments, those who have come before us speak to us in many, many different ways. But one of the things I know with Aunt Kate, in times of, um, of I, I don't wanna say confusion, but she's part of my clarity. Mm -hmm. So when I think of when I'm struggling to figure out things, mm -hmm. often her voice comes to me in terms of, baby, you got to be your own self-validation, or this too shall pass. Um, you know, I, I laugh at some of my friends because they'll get really upset about the political arena. And I always just say, well, Aunt Kate would say this mm -hmm. too shall pass. Mm -hmm. um, my mother is, is love and forgiveness personified. And so for me, the love lessons that she taught me in terms of don't judge anybody, 
You know, she said, there by, there by the grace of God go I. You know, so that was words of wisdom. Whenever I'm trying to do something, I can hear her voice saying, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good gets better and your better gets best. And I remember one time saying to her mom, I'll never be perfect. She said, none of us will. She said, but we will be so much better because we try. You know, so she didn't expect perfection, but she expected you to continue to grow and, and do your best. I think of um, my, my great aunt Kate, who always, always um, lived a healthy life. She ate what people ate, but she didn't overeat and she didn't, um, she, she was conscious that you need green things in your life. You need living things in your life. So it became easy for me to do two things. As I, when I was 24, I developed a, um, some kind of intestinal problem. And in that I kept saying, praying, you know, what should I do, what should I do? And I was led by a bunch of students to um, UCSD and I was listening to Dick Gregory and he was talking about eating life and eating to live, not just eating for flavor, taste, and fun. Mm -hmm. And I realized that society teaches us to eat for flavor, taste, and fun. Mm -hmm. And I was able to figure out how to eat to live. And so now I'm 70, I'm healthy, I'm on no pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. I have had no you know, major procedures. I haven't had any of that. And I know it's because of the life lessons mm -hmm. that I learned. Keep it simple. You know, we come from uh, the Creator, so we, the Creator is in us. Mm -hmm. We um, are here to serve one another. You know, my favorite song is, if I can help somebody along the way, then my living shall not be in vain. Uh, I've just been celebrated by uh, seven decades of my family and friends. And the number one message that touched my heart was they know that I love them and they love me back. And that's to me all, all that life is about. So thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. I got food. <laughs>